bandwidth for changelog is provided by Fastly. Learn more at Fastly.com. You're listening to Spotlight, a show that takes place around big announcements, at conferences, in the hallways, and behind the scenes. It's about getting out and having meaningful conversations with real people in the community. It's Changelog in the Trenches, shining our spotlight. Welcome to our first Spotlight series recorded at OzCon London 2016. I'm Jared Santo, Managing Editor of Changelog. Kobe Chappell has been a product designer at GitHub since 2012. This conversation took place shortly after GitHub Universe, where they launched projects, transactional code reviews, and GraphQL, all of which we discussed in depth. Kobe drops a lot of knowledge bombs in this interview, so take a listen. So uh, just tell us your name and then where you hail from, like not from GitHub, but where you're from. Uh-huh. Sure. So uh, my name's Kobe Chappell. I, uh, I hail from New Zealand originally, okay. but also lived in Australia for a long time too, um, before moving to the UK. And uh, I've lived around a few places in the UK. I've lived in Northern Ireland and Scotland, oh, and boy. now I live in, in London. You're a world traveler. So, yep. What it, how does London measure up? It's a big city. It's a big city. I so walked the, around yesterday. Yeah. With a, I have a friend who's local, and I just walked and walked. We just walked and walked and walked, mm-hmm. probably four or five hours, and just kept seeing more London. Yep. The, the crazy thing about London is coming to terms with the fact that even if you had a full lifetime, you could never see it all. Yeah. It's just so big, and there's so much history, and, and it's constantly changing. You have to just you're never going to see it all. Never going to see it all. Once you do accept that, though, and you relax a little bit, it can kind of make it a little bit more enjoyable. It cool. takes the pressure off. So you're a product designer. Mm-hmm. At GitHub, tell tell me about that. Sure. So, product design at GitHub basically means I'm focused a lot on the interactions and the uh, the workflows within the products. Yeah. So, we have a fairly well established visual style. So, most of my work isn't visual design as such. Yeah. There's some of that, but most of it is looking at the workflows we have and the things that people are trying to achieve with the product, and as we add new features or change features or sometimes remove features, making sure that all the workflows still make sense. Yeah that they're uh, as obvious as possible and as clear as possible. So it's focused much more on the interactions and the workflows than the, the visual design. What's the biggest like single change that you've made that has had the most impact across the product, even if it's just a refinement? So probably the thing that I've worked on directly that I think has had the, the biggest impact was a lot of the uh, workflows around doing web-based edits to files on GitHub. From the very early days of GitHub, like from very, very early on in the product, it was possible to edit files in the web, but you couldn't create them, you couldn't rename right, them, it was you very couldn't limited. delete them. Yeah. You could only edit them. You couldn't even, so if you wanted to create the file, you had to create it in your editor locally, commit it and push it. Right. Then you could and edit you it could online. you could tweak it, yeah. So we had Ace just embedded in the website for a long time. Right. Um, and so one of the things that I worked on um, a while ago was making it so you could create files online from scratch. Uh, then looking at moving them and renaming them and deleting them and basic d- doing the basic quick edits. Yeah. The other thing following on from that, workflow-wise, was the quick pull request feature. So it's one thing to be able to be on a branch and quickly create a file. Right. But that's a direct commit, and if you do that just directly on master, like there's no review, there's no right. no uh, cycle. But if you want to make a quick change and also have review happen. What we did was at the bottom with the with the commit, we also allowed you to just like, at the time that you're about to commit, create a new branch and a pull request to have yeah. that commit go to. So that's the kind of stuff that I like trying to identify in a product yeah. is a shortcut to an, an existing process that 
um, otherwise would be uh, difficult to do or not right. obvious that you that you should have this reviewed, but actually making it possible for people to opt in easy, yeah. like easily to a process that should happen. I love when a, a product that you use or a website that you use a lot, like mm -hmm. slowly gets better. You know, or maybe even quickly gets better, better right. than slowly, but like you just notice over time, you talk about shortcuts. Mm -hmm. And as a user, you know, because you're such a technical product and people use it all day long, right? Yep. We're more likely to notice those small things. Like, ooh, this is easier now. Right. Like those little delight moments. I like to build those myself, but also just even as a GitHub user, I've experienced mm -hmm. over the years where it's like, I'm not the only one who thought this was too hard, right? Right. And now it's easier. And it's not a, you're not going to write a blog post about it, right? right? But uh, overall, it's just like, you it's like polishing things, things up, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that's probably very rewarded, like uh, satisfactory, or what's the word? S full of, sat it gives you satisfaction. What's that yeah. word? Satisfying. Satisfying. <laughs> it, it, it is satisfying. And that's, that's one of the reasons I enjoy product design is, yeah. so before GitHub, I worked for a long time as a freelancer. Um, so I was still doing design work. Sometimes it was on products. But at the end of the day, it was client-focused work, and I, I got sick of that. And I kind of realized that what I really wanted was long-term long responsibility for a single not thing. necessarily a complete product, yeah. something as, as giant as GitHub, because there's so many different parts, parts yeah. of it. But what I like is the responsibility for the things that I build. If I build something, I like being able to see how that's used over time, yeah. use it myself. And if something isn't as good as it originally should be, or, or if I realize that they've there are further things that need improvement, I like to be able to go back to that yeah. and actually have long-term responsibility for, for a product. I like that. You mentioned that, uh, I'm not sure if you mentioned it on air or not, but you mentioned that the aesthetic, the feature set, the general interface was very had been established for a long time, you know, mm -hmm. and that you're working on specific workflows, specific aspects, refinements. As a product person, like, do you strongly differentiate between interface and experience, or do you like the whole UI versus UX? Do you think about these things in silos? Is it all one big blob to you? How do you how do you think about it? That's a good question. I think that I don't get too caught up in the labels. I kind of I think a better question to ask is, what do you actually do on a day to day basis? Okay, like Wait, I, like, on, like, like 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 do you? Let me ask you a question. What what do you actually do <laughs> on a day to day so, basis? There are some people who class themselves as UX designers that do a lot of coding. There are some people that class themselves as UI designers that don't touch code at all. Yeah. And I think it doesn't matter. Yeah. If, if, you, if you care about someone's experience, you might design UI. If you care about interfaces, you might focus on wireframes. Yeah. It doesn't, ma it doesn't really matter. Why do we give each other these labels? Right. I, I, I don't care as much about the labels. I just look at, OK, here's a product. Yeah. Here is something that could be better about the product. What physically needs to happen on it? Right. Like, who needs to sit down at a computer and talk to who else? How much brainstorming do they need to do? Right. Do they need to just jump straight to code, or they need to do prototypes first? Yeah. It'll depend on the project. Right. It'll depend on the change. It'll depend on the product. There's so many things that it depends on that I don't know. I don't. Ultimately, find... isn't it all user experience? Like, because yeah. it's, it's all. Yeah. At the end of the day, you're creating, the a, user. you're creating a product. It's probably a business. It's yeah. probably. You know, for achieving a certain set of tasks, right? If it could do that better, then cool, make the change. It's like Steve Jobs said, like the, the, who, design is, the design is how it works. Yeah, it's not like one versus the other. Form it doesn't matter who's, function. what the job title is of the person that made the change. What yeah. matters is that the change needs to happen. Yeah. So you guys have been doing refinements for a long time. Those small mm -hmm. the shortcuts, those yeah. tweaks. 
love all that, but recently at GitHub University, you had some major new features. Mm -hmm. uh, one that I love is the code review feature. Yep. Mostly because now I can create a bunch of comments yep. and send a single email. Yep. Which was like my biggest gripe because we use it. We use GitHub a lot for editing pros, you know, like yeah, actually yeah. blog posts. And now we're going to give, it's not code review, but it's pros right, you're, review. You're, you're drafting. Yeah, grammar. Word. And mm. we're helping and we're giving advice and thoughts. And so I made, you know, review 3,000 word document for somebody. And I may send them 17 emails right. to do so. And I, I like actually apologize <laughs> afterwards. Like I apologize that I, you just got 17 emails, but mm -hmm. I have line notes, you know. And so just the, that ability is... Is amazing. Yeah. Um, the other big one is the projects feature. Mm -hmm. Tell me about, tell me about both of those just in summary sure. first. So like with the with the code review thing, I mean we, we had the exact same problem ourselves. We you know for a lot of the blog posts we write or, or press releases or uh, internal documentation, we use you know pull requests ourselves, and we have yeah. the exact same problem of like okay, not only do we just get a lot of emails, but sometimes the first email will be hey you know I noticed this, second email same deal. Three emails later, oh, I see this other line which makes all of these previous comments right. redundant. Moved. Right. Yeah. So that's what's great about the, the the code review feature is you can actually batch it, and if you discover before you send the review that you want to go back and change your earlier comments, yeah, it actually improves the quality of feedback. So it's not just improving the code; it's also improving the conversation. Right. And that's kind of one of the the goals we had because we we had this problem, and that that's that's what we wanted to solve. One thing about that problem <laughs> is like. Even though it annoyed me, I was, I was like empathetic to it mm -hmm. because I knew that it was hard to solve. Like, there's a lot that goes into actually batching that up and providing right. it as a single thing, and the user interface itself yep. has a lot of concerns, a lot of ways you could build it, yep. make it hard to use. The, the reason it's complicated is, as soon as you go from okay, here is a pull request that you can comment on to here is a process you can go into. It creates this state where something can be unfinished, but still saved in the product, right. and and that creates a whole set of, of interface problems of like, okay, yeah. what if someone starts a review but the the browser crashes? Yeah. How do you get back to it? How right. do you represent what that happens there, in that, that case? there is an a, a, an incomplete yeah. thing that has been started? Like, do you remember it, what happens in that case? I don't. Uh, it hasn't I, happened to me, so I don't know. Right. So I, I haven't used that part of the product yeah. uh, enough and had things go wrong right. yet to, to, to kind of be able to say. But I like either. it's that kind so of stuff. So many things is, to think about. Yeah, there's a lot to think about, and and it's an it's a technical product to start with. So that's one of the challenges of being a product designer is how does you yeah. like how do you take something that is deliberately technical, deliberately com like complex because it's a technical product for technical people, right? And make it approachable. It's not about making it simple. That's a clear. That, that's, a, that's a distinction we've always kind of had internally at GitHub. Is is it? We don't want to simplify it for people. Why not? We don't want to dumb it, dumb it down. Because people, okay. the people that use our product are highly intelligent people, doing complex work. Right. That requires nuance and nuance and a lot of a lot of uh, faculties. They might want to use lots of different tools. Yeah. At different times. So you don't want to remove it and say just use this hammer for right. everything. Like. There should be a lot of options to use, and it's a case of like making them approachable and usable. <laughs> approachable is probably the I best like word. I like the word approachable because it it's it it can be still be very complex and it can still be very technical. What about discoverable? I think that's maybe a little bit different angle, yeah. but discoverability is a is a huge thing, and that's that's a big um, 
frustrate a, a pet peeve of mine I have. Yeah. Um, what, let's hear it. So a pet peeve of mine that a lot of people do in in product design or in interaction design is things that show up on hover. There's right. a bunch of things that I, I personally get. People will never know that that exists. It's, so the analogy that I use to explain how frustrating this can be is imagine you're in a room where the doors only show up when you're close enough to them. <laughs> yeah. How do you get out? Stand there near a like, wall. Just walk around the, the, the perimeter of the, of the room until yeah. something turns up. Or a, a door handle that, you, that doesn't, unless you reach for it, won't show up. Like, there's it's a tough bunch though, because you're fighting against clutter. You you're know? fighting against clutter, but that also begs the question, why is there clutter? Yeah. Like, does that mean you have product It's yet? a complex like, tool. What, it, yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a tough set of problems. It's a yeah. tough set of problems. But so even, even this, we're talking about the code review aspect, you could argue it's a refinement to a thing that existed. It's a huge, it's a big change to a thing that existed. But projects is like brand, it's like a brand new tab. Brand right. new. So tell us about projects. So, so, so projects is uh, something that we have wanted internally for a long time because we like simple workflows and simple like basic building blocks of functionality yeah. that are flexible. We don't want to dictate workflow to people because what works in one company or in one open source organization or in one personal project right. is going to be vastly different from what one of those other things needs, right? Yeah. So we're building a product that lots of very, a, a huge variety of people and situations, it, it needs to fit into a lot of different things. And right. so we don't want to get heavy handed about process. That's something we, that's a philosophy we try and take in lots of different places in our, in our product. Yeah. For example, in the, in the code review, it's like we don't dictate how you do it. We want to provide options like, okay, if you want to protect this branch and don't allow other people to commit to right. it, we should have that as an option, but gotcha. we don't tend to get opinionated about that. So with projects, um, we, we wanted to start with something very simple. So it's, 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 a, it's a fairly uh, basic set of functionality, but the goal is to create something that, similar to our issue tracking, like our issue tracking is fairly simple, yeah. but that means it's flexible. And people can build on it um, as a platform too. We want this to be something that people can build on, build their business on, or uh, build integrations with. Yeah. And we want to provide that functionality going forward. So, projects is interesting. It's the first time we've expanded our product functionality, in a, in, in in like in a uh, in in terms of like having a new tab. Right, brand new page. Uh, it's the first time we've done that in a while, and um, hopefully it's it's something that's going to be a, a big part of our product going yeah. forward. So one thing that's interesting, I have lots of questions about projects, sure. and I realize that uh, yeah. you may not have all the answers. But like, one aspect of it is, it's like loosely tied to issues, but it's not like 100% tied to issues. And so, right. like, do you have do you have comments on how that that seems like it was a tough spot? Like again, trade-offs. Yep. But like, how do issues relate to projects, and what are the decisions there? Sure. So the thing the thing with like issues and projects is projects. There are lots of things that are involved in a project. Sometimes it's an issue. Sometimes it's a pull request. Sometimes it's a comment that doesn't have. It doesn't. It's it's on a commit or it's yeah. just a general observation that someone has. So we don't want to force people to create an issue for that. We want it to be somewhat flexible. So that's why there's this idea of like like notes or cards. Uh huh. Um, we're looking at ways that we can bring in some like functionality of, of like issues and pull requests or or like improving what can be part of a project yeah. in terms of the functionality, but at the end of the day, the problems you're solving with a project are not technical problems. 
their people problems, their 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 project management concerns. Yeah. So we wanted to stay as flexible as possible. There will be improvements to this part of the product going yeah. forward for sure, but we want to make sure uh, that we're not building a bunch of stuff to solve problems we don't know people are going to have yet yeah. in terms of using functionality. That makes sense. Uh, another question, like, and this one, may, this one seems more fundamental to me, mm -hmm. which is that you guys decided to make a project uh, at the at the repo layer of abstraction, right? Like, you attach a project on this repository, right? A lot of projects span repos. Yep. So, I mean, I could think of even inside the changelog, we have a couple different. Like, we have our our website code base, and we have Nightly's mm -hmm. code base, and we may have like a a redesign of a certain aspect that's going right. to touch multiple things. Um, and that's a small change. Like, I think of like Ethereum has like 16 Go projects, and it's all one thing. And like, the bigger you get, the more you break things down into separate repos. What was the decision behind putting it at the repo level and not like this layer above mm -hmm. where you could pull in things from everywhere? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. That's that's a question that we've asked ourselves a lot, and we have the same problem too. We like. <laughs> I'm sure we, you do. I mean, I mean, I mean GitHub's a 600-person company. There, yeah. there are so many things that we want to happen that span multiple repos. Um, there's so many things that maybe even are not related to code, but are organizational concerns that you know don't have yeah. a, a repo. But that's one of the other things that we have always done at the company um, is we create a lot of repos internally ourselves, and we use them in a a way that is very kind of liberal. Okay. We liberally apply repositories to problems. Even if there's no code attached to them, maybe it's just a couple of markdown files right. that represents a team or a couple of, like a, maybe it's a, a loose organization of people separate from the, the organizational structure that yeah. you know might have a, a repo with some, with some information about it. And, that, and that's why um, a project associated with a repo can be quite flexible. At the organizational level, there's still a need for this. One of the problems, though, that we haven't really uh, found a, a, satis a satisfying way to solve yeah. is how to have things live at different levels and still make sense. Because we don't want to just create projects within projects within projects and right. have this infinite nesting right. thing. Because then we're potentially creating all kinds of other information yeah. architecture issues that people can run into very you quickly. You also end up with a junk drawer, oftentimes, where everything yes. goes in this one big thing. Right. Whereas. Um, with some of the, the changes we made recently to the pricing model as well, we because for a long time at GitHub, we had unlimited repos ourselves. But I didn't. Right, exactly. <laughs> and so that was one of the main motivators for uh, some of the pricing changes of we want people to be able to create as many repos as they want Yeah. so that they can use repos in the flexible way that we've seen work internally. Yeah. And so for the moment, with those, with the, with those changes that we made and then introducing things like projects, now people can create as many repos as they want yeah. and have projects attached to them. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's something that we've seen work really well in our, in our company is kind of liberally creating repositories and using them in, in whatever ways make sense for that team or or uh, individual. Yeah. And then, yeah, so that, that, that's, that's uh, why projects are at a repo lab at the moment, but yeah. we're definitely looking into Thinking ways that, that we can have it span multiple repos, right. organizational level stuff. It's it's something we're thinking a lot about, but it's it's a non-trivial problem to solve I think when you when uh, you I definitely can see where that would be difficult to do. Another another interesting facet to that is our product is also an enterprise product. We have an on-premise version. Right. And in that situation you actually have a third level of, of hierarchy. 
Oh, okay. It's not just teams and organizations. They have a dedicated instance. Right. Which it's so in uh, in many organ in many enterprise organizations, the organization feature of GitHub is actually their department. Right. So there's like a, a third tier of, of thing you need to consider. Which, yeah, that's interesting. Um, I've so, never thought about that. So there's 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 other things that we need to consider in terms of how our product decisions are going to affect. Yeah. Um, different di our product in different ways. That leads me into this this next thought, which is, you know, looking at projects. Uh, you guys just launched it. Was it November mm -hmm. 2016? Uh, no, it wasn't November. Because right now it's October. Yep. When was that? August, it, yeah. September. I don't know. It was a couple months. Fall ago. of 2016. <laughs> it feels very, very 1.0. Is it? Is it? Is this a minimal? Like, here's where the question is. Like, you can interpret a one. Uh, you can interpret a feature like this in two ways. As a person mm -hmm. who has no idea, right? Outsider, yep. is one way is they're just getting started. Yep. And this is like minimal viable projects, and this is a huge new thing, and that's they just wanted to launch it. And the other one is, uh, this is a checklist feature, and it's going to stay this way forever. And they just wanted to have projects so they could have projects and move on. Can you say which one of those? Is, like, is it, are you guys working on this? Is it ongoing? We are actively working on this as something that's going to be improved a lot in the future. Awesome. This is very much a the simplest thing that could possibly work. Right. But that's not how it's going to stay. Cool. Uh, that's something I, I, I'm very confident in, in, in saying. We uh, we built early versions of it ourselves and started using it internally, and we want this to be something that we can depend on yeah. internally ourselves, and that means it's going to get improved. I think also the um, the biggest thing, like I said before, like we want people, we want other people to be able to build on this too. So that's why we're spending a lot of time getting the basics right before we start adding complexity to, to, to this part of the product. Yeah. Because if we, don't, if we don't get the basics right, it'll make it hard for our integrators for all kinds of uh, open source projects to integrate with, with, with GitHub. Right. And the, 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 the GitHub platform and ecosystem is hugely important to us. And whenever we make a product decision, we have to factor in how that's going to affect the people that are building their businesses yeah. or that are building interesting projects. Even uh, you know universities and edu educational institutions that are building stuff using our, our data, like right. our publicly available API. Right. There's so many things that we need to factor into our product decisions. We need to get the basics right, and that's what we're going to spend the first first little while doing with, with projects. That reminds me of a an old term from Apple or about Apple called Sherlocking. Do you know that term? Mm -hmm. I do. Yeah, the idea being is that the platform provider or the you know, the big dog in the room sees a feature that looks nice and says, you know, "This is the this is the this is the uh, cynical viewpoint, right?" Right. Sees a feature and says that a third party created on top of the platform to provide value. So a lot of times, these people see gaps, you know, and they say, "Oh, I'm going to fill that need. This helps me," and they turn it into a product or a business. And uh, famously, I think it was Watson was the name of the product that yep. Apple yeah, copied, yeah, yeah. and they it became a term. They got Sherlocked, right? Because now Apple just built that into the OS, and now that guy's out of business. And so, you, like you said, you have a lot of platform builders, and there's an ecosystem around it. And so, thoughts on this Sherlocking? You know, potentially, you know, some of your yeah. loyal developers. Yeah, I mean, and there's a lot of integrators that have built project management functionality yeah. on top of our issues API. Our approach to this is we want to we want to save them some of the work, but still create opportunities for them to create value for for people. Yeah. Because, like I said before, we don't want to dictate workflow. We don't want to dictate the functionality that people should use to manage a project. 
because that's going to depend. And I think that's where our integrators come in. Yeah. We want to create a basic layer of functionality that we know is flexible and we know is adaptable to different workflows. And integrators should be able to, to, to take that, run with it, and build something for a specific audience that wants it a certain way. Right. Um, we want to create a platform that, that allows for plenty of those opportunities for people to create value. We don't want to take business away from people. Yeah. We actually would rather there be, a, 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 we, we would rather be the platform on which an ecosystem is built than try and earn money ourselves. Take all our ideas. Right. Our, our end game is, is, is not to be the project management solution. Yeah. Our, our, our aim is to create a platform where that discussion around project management, there can be lots of different options that you can use to, to pick from when yeah. you are starting a new project. Maybe within one company, you're going to use three different project management products or plugins or right. integrations, depending on the different department, depending on the different project. So those projects have full API support? Like, can you get at everything that you need to in order to build on top of the projects feature? Uh, at the moment, uh, there are... So this is another thing that we announced at Universe, and that is we are kicking off a, an alpha for GraphQL API. And this is a big change that we're making in general in terms of our ability to support uh, API uh, access to our, the, the product changes we make okay. out of the box when we announce stuff. So historically, we have announced features and then later released the API. But one of the cool things about uh, GraphQL is that when we move to use GraphQL internally ourselves, we will build the API for it and consume it internally as the way we build our the, these okay. changes to our product. So as soon as we release a feature, in the future, it's going to be released at the exact same, same time, time at the API level. This is something that we've started to actually do with, with projects. You have. I, I would need to clarify uh, online if it's, sure. if it's available right now, but yeah. certainly within the, the GraphQL uh, alpha, alpha. It's, still, it's still pretty, pretty alpha. Um, and it's going to change a lot, too. Yeah. Um, this, this, yeah, there's a couple of uh, product features that we've built from the outset using GraphQL internally ourselves. And projects, I, I'm fairly confident, is one of them. Cool. The other one was reactions, like emoji reactions right, on, on right. comments. That was the first feature that we actually built internally using the GraphQL API. So it was like REST, like complete, GraphQL is the way of the future. That's something that, so we've looked at a lot, so we, uh, we spend a lot of attention on our API. We're develop, you know, we uh, we understand how important it is to have an yeah. API be 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 usable and enjoyable to use and approachable and discoverable. With. Right, exactly. <laughs> and so we, we've looked at um, a lot of the things uh, that people have built, like uh, hypermedia. There's a lot of a lot of principles that we've explored a lot in terms of how to best do this. Yeah. And when we stumbled across the GraphQL stuff, it was it was very interesting to us and. There's a you know there's a lot of people at GitHub that spend a lot of time looking at the, the different solutions here, okay. and there's a lot of reasons that we think this is something that we want to invest in because we actually think this is going to bring us bring us a lot of value, but also it's going to bring our customers a lot of value, in, especially integrators and people using our API because yeah. at the end of the day, that's who who the API is for, and we want them to have the best experience possible, and that means things like you know, be getting access to, to product features as soon as they're released rather than having to wait. Yeah. Um, it means being able to query the API itself for functionality. Do you, does this version of the API support this feature? That's cool. There's, there's a lot of 
there's a lot of stuff that comes for free with GraphQL that is very interesting to us. And so, I mean, we've we've spoken a lot with the people at, at, at Facebook. Um, we've worked very closely closely with them about this. Yeah. And we've seen them use it in production for a very long time. I think they've been using it in production since 2012 or something. Wow. Um, they've been using it internally there with a huge amount of success. And uh, we think this is technology that a lot of other people should look at as well. It's not going to be something that suits everybody. Yeah. But for there us, there are a lot of detractors. There's a lot of naysayers. I think GitHub's probably the second. Mm -hmm. major adopter of GraphQL outside of Facebook, the first one outside of Facebook, right? right? And so there's people that are, you know, super excited. Yep. Uh, you can say this with anything, right? There's people who are super excited. Then you have uh, the cautious ones who are like, well, I'll watch it for a while. Then you have the naysayers. I think for us cautious types, I tend to be cautious, like, you know, knowing that the REST APIs aren't necessarily going to disappear soon is, you know, helpful. But, uh, yeah, it's an interesting... I think it's a risky but perhaps very rewarding move by you guys. Right. I think, uh, the, for me, I, I look at it as APIs need to be dependable. So it's actually something that, this is a decision that I think will actually reduce the amount of risk huh. involved. Because it means that if you build something on the GraphQL API, unless you change what you're querying, the functionality will continue to work. It's not like an endpoint's going to disappear on you. Right. right. So there's a lot of things about GraphQL in terms of versioning clients that actually reduces a bunch of complexity. You don't. You no longer have to think about a, a, a versioned API as a, as you traditionally might. Yeah. Um, it actually takes a lot of those concerns away and allows you to build and iterate on clients in a way that's much more predictable. Um, so yeah, I think there's always going to be. Especially when it was just Facebook using this, it's like, okay, cool, but who else? Like, yeah. like I'm going to stay cautious until I see wider adoption. And right. I think that's a, for people who are, especially integrators, building on this, that's a smart approach to take. Right. I think now that we are kind of putting our name out there and saying, okay, we're going we're gonna to double down on this too, I think that's going to make a lot of other people prick their ears up start and say, okay, seriously. maybe I should take a, a more serious look into this. Yeah. And I think that's going to start to... Uh, see more people investing in, in, in this as a as a, a way of providing API functionality. Yeah. Seems like it would be it seems like a boon for the client side, but like harder on the server side. Just for my you know very uh, what's the word for noob? My, my very noob understanding of GraphQL mm -hmm. is it just seems like implementation on from your guys' perspective. Right. And from anybody else's as potential adopters of, of provi API provider, yep. it seems like that a lot goes into that. But I, uh, think, I think one of the benefits in, the, in, in that side of things, though, with GraphQL is it doesn't actually dictate anything about your implementation. It's literally just a, like a DSL between your implementation right. and the client side. It's just saying that for the API, here is a schema that works. Right. And, and you can... You can munge it into that form right. however you want. And so that allows you to actually iterate on the implementation from a performance perspective in ways that you can't do with, a, with, with something that's where the implementation of the API is the implementation, if that makes sense. So the, uh, for example, one problem that we have a lot at GitHub is performance stuff. A lot of API queries, someone asked for a bunch of information, but they might not actually need all of it. Right. The response that we provide may, provide, may include properties which are actually very expensive for us to compute. And so... And they're going to throw them away anyways. And they're not going to use them anyway. So that's one of the huge benefits in terms of implementation is 
you can actually speed up your responses a huge amount if you're sure that they're only requesting things in their they're only requesting information that they're actually going to use yeah. which actually allows you to provide something a lot more performant how could you cache anything ever though if like it's, it's always very a specific customized response I, I don't know that I, I'm a designer. I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't know the specifics well, of, of how very, that works. You're speaking very fluently as a developer, <laughs> so I just forgot that you're a sure. designer. Um, <laughs> so I, I don't know from a caching perspective how that would work, um, but I, I think we're going to see a lot of a lot more we'll documentation and yeah. uh, best practices start to to become publicly available about how to do this stuff as we see more adoption. Yeah. Um, it's something that, like I say, as, as, as we start, like we put our name out there and say like, you know, we're, we're banking on this, I think a lot of other people are gonna start looking at it as, a, as an option, and I think yeah. that's gonna mean that people are gonna start talking a lot about the edge cases where it does get complex, like yeah. caching and yeah, performance. We, we got sidetracked on GraphQL. One last question, back to projects. Sure. Because I wanted to ask this earlier and I forgot to. Uh, you mentioned that you, know, you don't want to be like the project management tool. And as a designer, you know you're probably very familiar with the idea of like, not keep it simple because it needs to be you know usable, but uh, focus, right? Like core competencies, those ideas. And there's a lot of people that do project management, better or worse, but like one that is very popular amongst developers is Trello. Mm -hmm. And projects is very much a Trello-esque tool in terms of like you have lists of cards, right? Yep. Why not just punt all the way and just be like, we're not gonna do, we don't wanna be a project management suite. Mm -hmm. Trello's great, or Jira, or I don't know yep. what, to, let's talk about Trello. Trello's great. We're just gonna like tell people, go use Trello. Maybe even we'll provide some hooks with Trello. And sure. That's, why not that's, just do that? Th that's a great question. I think that the my take on that is that just, Encouraging people to use third-party tools like Trello is an option for a lot of people. There's a lot of there's a lot of people though that would like to do that, but maybe it's not an option. Maybe there's a security concern about okay, ha, okay, we're maybe a, a larger company. Yeah. Uh, so for your on-premise stuff. Yeah. How do we also control the the access to, to this information? Like, uh, if we're suddenly then forcing people to also have Trello accounts. Yeah. How do we make sure that the people seeing information are seeing information they should have access to? Right. I think also, Trello is a very general purpose tool. We wanted to create something that's very basic that is basic for people who build software. Not okay. just developers, but very basic for software project managers. Okay. Um, for other, there's a whole bunch of people around developers that also build software, even if they're not directly coding. Yeah. And. Trello is flexible to that. You can create all kinds of things in Trello. We want, to, we want people to be able to create all kinds of things with GitHub projects as well. But we want to make sure that the decisions we make are focused on people who software. build software. Yeah. So we're gonna, as we as we iterate on on this functionality and as we improve it, it's gonna keep coming back to okay, what makes sense for people who build software? And that's something that Trello has a much wider audience. So. Yeah. They may make other decisions that don't always make sense for, for people who are building sure. software. Good answer, good answer. Okay, is there anything that I missed? They were like, I can't wait till he asked me this question, <laughs> and I just never asked it. And you're like, what else should I ask here? I don't think so. I mean, uh, I don't have any questions <laughs> at the top of my mind that I Do you have any I, questions for me? What surprised you the most about uh, what you asked me so far? What surprised me about your responses? Hmm. Good question. Ooh, you should, you should do this job. 
I mean, I think your take on projects was refreshing in terms, I mean, the answer about on-prem was a surprise because hmm. I had never looked at it from that perspective. I think I see GitHub very much from my lens. Sure. My lens is a typical user who's a member of orgs, but no, no GitHub Enterprise lens. Right. So now let me back into my answer because I'm starting to, starting to reveal what it is, which is like the single org, at the, like the God org inside Enterprise and how that affects your product decisions was surprising and interesting. And then also why not just, why not just say use Trello or use uh, mm -hmm. Pivotal Tracker, for instance, is because you have customers who like, that's actually not an option for them and they need something. Yep. And so a baseline features a platform that then other people can add value on like I said, I think that was a good answer. So. Cool. Um, I think I think what that points to, though, is uh, there's a lot of ways you can use GitHub, and what's going to work for one company is going to be completely different to what works for another uh, another organization or a, a, like a, a university or a, an open source organization. What works for different individuals and groups of people is going to change. It's yeah. also going to change within companies. Like I said, with the enterprise stuff, orgs might just be departments, but that's also the case on GitHub.com too. You see this with with Microsoft and with Google. They some of the some some of the organizations that they have on GitHub.com are literally just one department from Microsoft, right? Like Azure or Research, um, right? So you're seeing this on on, on GitHub.com as well, where what works for one organization doesn't work for right, and and that should also happen at a smaller scale too, like within a repo. Maybe that one repo might want to use, you know, one project management plugin, and the other one just uses the vanilla one that we provide, and another one, you know, has an additional integration yeah. included in it, and that's all within one company. Right. We want people to be able to pick and choose, and that's why we want to build things that are simple, and that's why we want to make it um, a platform that other people can also build a business on, whether they're an integrator or whether they're someone who's investing in us to build software. Yeah. Cool, man. Great job. This is fun. Cool. You had great answers. It's great. It was great talking to you. Yeah, you too. Thanks for coming on. Thanks again to our friends at O'Reilly for the awesome working partnership at OzCon London 2016. We'll see you again, OzCon, in 2017 in Austin, Texas. And if you want to save some money on that ticket, if you're going, use the code CHANGELOG20 to save 20% off your registration to OzCon 2017 in Austin, Texas. For more episodes like this, head to changelog.com spotlight. Click subscribe. Don't miss a show. And thanks for listening.